Welcome to the Global Digital Banker Podcast. This week, we caught up with some of the keynote speakers from the Women in Payments Symposium in London to discuss all things payments across disruption, innovation, regulation, customer experience, and of course, corporate leadership. Our guests include Charlotte Duerden, UK Country Manager at American Express, Jackie Keogh, Senior Vice President at Western Union Business Solutions, Lisa Neary, Head of Payment Schemes and Transformation at the Cooperative Bank, and Christy Duncan, CEO and Founder of Women in Payments. Really such an honour to be joined by a really influential woman in payments, Charlotte Duerden, MD for American Express UK. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Charlotte. You're welcome. It's great to be here. So today, as much as we are talking about payments, we're talking about being an influential woman and how to inspire and encourage future generations of women to work in this industry. Um, And you've worked in American Express for over 20 years, an incredible career, and in a number of senior roles. So are you able to share a bit about your journey at the company and and getting to the position that you are in today? Sure. So what's great about American Express is it's a global company. And I think that what really matters in this interconnected world is understanding different cultures, understanding different needs. And that's actually been uh, one of the reasons I've stayed at American Express so long. I've worked in New Zealand, Australia and London Um, and really bringing that diversity of thought, of learning uh, you know, into my career and, and how I apply in business, I think has been uh, fabulous. I think the other thing that American Express has afforded me is a balance between deep subject matter expertise mm. roles and general management roles. And actually, I think in payments, you do need to understand the nuts and bolts mm. and you do need to be able to apply it in business. And I think those two things together can actually make very successful. It's been discussed a lot today about how larger financial services organisations do allow those opportunities to cross-train across so many different uh, elements, changing your job every two, three years and learning something brand new to keep challenging yourself. And I think that's been a real takeout of today um, and something obviously you've experienced. Absolutely. And so how do you encourage and support female leaders within your organisation today? Well, I think the most important thing is it starts at the top. And that's absolutely true within American Express. So our uh, CEO, Steve Scurry, has really put this on the agenda, really drives his executive team. And it's something that I feel very passionate about. So, you know, I see it as my responsibility in the UK to make the UK uh, business more diverse and inclusive. Uh, So whether that's for gender, Mm. ethnicity, whether it's for style, Um, And one of the things I talk a lot about as well is even just working for a global company, uh, you will often find people where English isn't their first language and they won't always feel as comfortable in in speaking up. And so I think it's really important that you think about how you drive inclusivity. So what I've personally driven is last year we launched and invested in an inclusive leadership programme for our most senior people in London. It was mandatory. Everybody went through it. What's been amazing about it is how it's changed the conversation, Mm. how it's allowed people to understand their biases and to call each other out on them when they see it. It's the start of a journey. It's not the end point. We'll be doing more of that. But I've really seen just the conversation change as a result. It's just about good leadership, right? Inclusive leadership is about being a great leader, full stop. It makes you great at what you do. It makes you deliver great things for the company and it makes 
you have a much happier engaged employee base. So I think that's the most important thing. You've raised such a fantastic point. As long as people are willing to learn, willing to change, willing to listen, then that's how this is legitimately going to drive forward within business. What would be some tips in terms of establishing the right mindset for the younger female generation coming into this industry? So my belief is that you're your own best advocate, right? And you need to have confidence in your own abilities. If you're not, nobody is going to be there supporting you, right? Yeah. And you, you have to believe in yourself. That's so important and you need to understand what your strengths are and play to them. Mm. And clearly we all have areas that we want to work on that we want to improve but don't ever forget what those strengths are and have the confidence to be true to them but also have the confidence to name your ambition Mm. and certainly that was probably a watershed moment for me was the time that I actually said I want to be leading the UK business Mm. I want to be the managing director and it changed the conversation because you're very specific about what you want you get the direct feedback about what you need to do to get there But you've also just told everybody that you have this ambition. Mm. And so the other element of today is obviously talking about payments, which occupies, I'm sure, a lot of your life. Um, So what are some of the biggest trends that you have seen within payments across the last 12 months? So I think the rise of tech-savvy consumers are continuing to drive change. We see this all the time. We all are faced with it every day, right? It's how we now operate. And I think what that delivers is is essentially three trends one is frictionless payments Mm. we all expect it to be easy i'm sure on the way here today you tapped for a coffee or on the tube on the way in right contactless is a really great example of frictionless and it's been amazing the rise of it in the last uh few years and what i've really noticed in the last year is how when someone takes the card out to dip it there's a tut (laughs) it's true and and just because people want that speed and that you know no friction it's just to be easy but what they also want is to be safe right Mm. so it is incredibly important that people feel confident about using their payment product i think the second trend is personalized right and particularly personalized payments payments is just a means to an end but i think that people want to be known and understood but without it being creepy right and that's clearly the challenge Mm right, which comes into trust and not pushing too far, but you have to add value in the process. For a consumer to want to give you their details, there has to be something back to them, right? And for for them to put their trust in you, you need to be giving them something back. So I do think that personalised payments is going to be really important as Mm. we develop. The third is experiences. That's always what you're buying. Whether you're actually buying a cup of coffee, you're buying an experience, right? But, you know, I think that's something that is becoming increasingly important. And as a service brand, that's something that we really pride ourselves on. And technology is really important to help you deliver that. So whether it's the payment itself or whether it's how the payment enables you. So it could be when you walk into an airport and, you know, it pops up and tells you the lounge at gate number five is free. Mm. It like has spaces in it, you know sit down, have a cup of coffee, relax, whether it's getting you access to something that you wouldn't be able to get to, uh, or whether it's delivering and realising the, the incremental value that you, that you can get out of that payment, I think is actually what's really going to drive a lot of change, is not thinking about payments for payment's sake, but mm. 
the experience that they're driving. Absolutely. And I think the point that you raise around trust is so fascinating because uh, our research shows this scheme, so American Express, Visa, MasterCard, have started to really overtake the banks in terms of having trust from the millennial community. Thanks so much for sharing with me today and for generally taking the time to chat. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you. Really pleased to be joined by Lisa Neary, Head of Payment Schemes and Transformation for the Cooperative Bank, who's just come off stage from a wonderful panel session. So thanks so much for joining me, Lisa. No problem. Thanks for talking to me. So we're here today to talk about something potentially seen as quite archaic by, by some, which is checks. Not necessarily the most exciting topic, but you have just been behind one of the most incredibly large transformation programs in this area, the image clearing system and, and a real big player in the changes that have happened. So tell me about that experience. Uh, yeah, thanks, Sarah. Two things spring to mind for me, really, um, both challenging and the complexity of what we're facing to. And as you've already touched on, the fact that um, people think about it as being an archaic mechanism for payments. So why would we want to innovate? Why do we want to change? But because we've got such a reliance and still a really high usage of checks across the industry, actually we need it to modernise to make it an instrument that um, has some life to support our vulnerable customer base. Um, the project has been really challenging. Um, as I say, the complexity, the amount of change, the costs, the sheer number of people that are involved, all made it very difficult and hence the reason why we're still not quite yet over the line. And so you're having to navigate a lot of different players as part of this transformation. How challenging was that to create a change across the ecosystem? So I think most people understood the drive for change and were supportive at the outset of what we needed to achieve. But then when you look at the fact that, yes, there was a movement to do something collaboratively but then when, once you got into the details of each participant and each member they all have their own unique ways and their own ways that they want to deliver for their own banks yeah. then you really face the complexity and the challenge that people are moving at their own pace they've got their own restrictions in place whether that be cost whether that be resource whether it be other projects that are taking a greater priority and um, so that additional layer of governance trying to get everybody moving at the same speed and pace yeah. um, has been quite difficult. Yeah. Like herding sheep, they Absolutely. say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like that at times. <laughs> um, and what I find really fascinating is there's a new uh, big intention for payments infrastructure transformation in the UK with the new payments architecture, NPA being run by pay.uk. Um, so if you had to pick some of the key learnings from the process that you've just been through to advise this next wave of transformation, what would that be? The big thing for me would be that everybody understands at the outset what it is that you're trying to achieve and the end outcome. Having a really clear vision of where we're trying to get to and making sure that people who are bought into that process understand um, not only the complexities, the amount of time it's going to take, the amount of innovation, but having that real clear vision and out set of outcomes that people are all pulling in the same direction right from the start. Because mm. I assume if you're going on for a number of years, you can so easily step away from that, that path. So to have that clarity consistently must be super key. Absolutely. And I think one of the other key factors is to ensure that we all take back into our own organisations 
and really brief our senior people and our senior executives so they're fully bought in and understand the journey yeah. and are supportive of the investment that ultimately will be made to move the UK infrastructure of payments forward. Mm. What has been the response from the customers in terms of the innovations that you've made around checks for them? So we've seen a really positive response from our customers through the campaign and the messaging that we've delivered through our branch network and our frontline colleagues. We've had some real positive messages from customers that now they're getting the value for the checks much sooner. But equally on the flip side of that, you've got customers who need to manage a tight budget you know, are having to adapt to the fact that that money's coming out of their account quicker than it ever has before. So it is a bit of a a double-edged sword, but on the whole, I would say overwhelmingly very, very positive. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. It's it's used as a cash flow solution quite often, right? Yeah, totally. And I think there's still a misconception that actually there aren't that many checks that are in circulation across the UK. But, you know, last year, close to 350 million across the UK. So you can see that there is still a demand, um, you know, not so much in the younger generation, but there are still, as you mentioned there, businesses, charities, schools is a really good example of, you know, customers who rely on checks to be their staple bread and butter of their payments flow. Yeah, it's not just your grandma with, you know, a check at Christmas in the Christmas card. (laughs) Absolutely not, no, it's much more widespread across the, the UK. I'll just lean on you for one more question just around banking and payments for the year ahead. What are some trends and changes that you're seeing happening that are exciting you? I think the big thing for me that's really exciting is the um, innovation and confirmation of payee. We all are fully aware at an industry level that fraud is one of the biggest problems um, and how we can combat fraud together as an industry. Um, so confirmation of payee will, you know, should bring about some real strength um, as a group of organisations where we can try and tackle that activity and behavior that we currently see across the market and even just human error how many times are you getting a number wrong in an account number you're putting in for a pal that you're transferring money right yeah absolutely you know fat fingers as we quite often (laughs) refer to back in the organization because like it or not most organizations have still got people behind the payments infrastructure you know because payments is absolutely the core of everything that we all do as part of our daily life you know people don't even realize most of the time when they're actually making a payment because it's just a commodity that we've come to expect and to be accessible to us so absolutely the fat finger scenario is there if we can eradicate that then the better <laughs> hashtag end fat fingers that's the that's the takeaway from this interview quote of the day thanks <laughs> thank you so much lisa for your time thanks for joining me no problem thanks Jackie Keogh, Global Head of Payments for Western Union Business Solutions. Fantastic panel. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It was a very interesting panel. I think what caused the interest in the group was when we discussed the challenges around payments, everything kept coming back to the client needs, which is the way we should be focusing. Mm. And the client needs around speed, safety and convenience. Yeah and the importance of those three elements in everything that's is happening. And how those three elements can maybe achieved in a domestic environment, and the UK is a prime example with the, with the investment that's being made in UK infrastructure that are getting much closer to it. But if you're a corporation that operates cross-border, achieving those three simple things, and you're dealing with the complexity of regulation that varies per market, when you're dealing with the complexity of accessing different infrastructures that are all developing at different paces to their own standards and their own remit, becomes very challenging. Yeah. And 
you need to balance them. Mm. You need to balance that safety with speed. You need to balance that speed with convenience. And it's obtaining that, that balance when you're operating cross-border um, that makes, makes it much more fun, <laughs> and which creates significant opportunities for organizations like Western Unions and, and other similar organizations. When, when you focus on your client mm. and keep those in mind, you can deliver differentiation. Mm. You've certainly got your hands full and, as you said, an exciting time to be in payments with so much opportunity and in particular the commercial space. So your main customers are on the business side and this sector is getting increasingly more interest and, and more people are looking at the gaps in the market here, a little bit behind retail in terms of innovation. So do you see this? Do you see an awakened focus on this customer set and what are you doing at Western Union to um, really better their experiences? Our Western Union has been around for almost 160 years. Mm. Our core business is consumers. Our more recent business is, is our corporate um, clients. The advantage we have is that as an industry, what the convenience and the speed that exists in the consumer space is gradually been impacting the, the corporate space. If you are an entrepreneur and you obtain a service from your bank where you can open a bank account in a very short period of time, where you can get visibility of your payments almost instantly, and then you operate in a corporate environment, you expect to get the same level of service. Now, the corporate environment is not as advanced, mm. and it's harder to deliver it in a corporate environment because the numbers you're dealing with is very different. If you're dealing with a payment for £100 versus you're dealing with a payment for £100 million, the, the level of safety and security yeah. you need around that is fundamentally different. So consumers who are entrepreneurs, they become businesses and their expectations is the same. Now, that actually is a really good thing because it's, it's driving transactional and wholesale banks and payment providers like Western Union to really up their game and to focus on how you, how you learn from that consumer business. So we as an organization, we have invested significantly in technology and people. We've invested in order to be able to make sure that we deliver that speed, that we deliver that safety. We invest a significant amount of money in our uh, compliance capability. We no longer assume paper documentation. We now operate in an environment where we're continuously learning. We have digital onboarding capability. We use machine learning. Yeah. We use AI. Uh, we're using a multitude of technologies to, to ensure that we actually improve the service we offer to our clients, to ensure that we don't slow down that client's transactions, that we don't hold up that client's transaction because we need to meet the regulatory requirements. We also are making sure that we give them additional value added and convenience. So we allow them very quickly to self-onboard themselves onto our wedge capability. Mm. Trust is such an important thing and it's come out a lot in today's conversations. I just want to close off asking about new payments infrastructures and changes that are happening in the UK and other regulatory changes that are happening or are coming into the industry. How do you see this impacting what you're doing and, and what opportunities are going to arise for, for Western Union? 
If you look at the UK and, and what's happening around open banking, to me that's one of the most exciting things we can do. We shouldn't treat open banking, we shouldn't treat PSD2 as a regulatory requirement. Mm. We should look at it as an opportunity for us to be able to offer more services. It's an opportunity for us to get insight into data we never had before. Data that even if we did have, we probably didn't manage properly before. So now we put a lot more focus on that data and the quality of that data, which can only be beneficial for our clients. We're much more focused on how do we actually serve a client than we historically were. Um, it, it gives us an opportunity to segregate the stages in the transaction. Any organization, including Western Union, can now initiate the payment. They don't actually have to have the bank account. Yeah. They can initiate the payment on behalf of the client. Everything operates for the benefit of the client. To me, PSD2 gives us a fantastic opportunity, as does open banking, to add services to our clients, to enrich their experiences, and to move from pure payments to value-added, where the payment becomes embedded yeah. within the transaction rather than being the purpose in its own right. Which with services like Uber, people are just becoming more used to that. Absolutely. And if we can build that in cross-border, I mean, wow, the opportunities are incredible for businesses. But it's wonderful to meet such a passionate leader and, and it sounds like a really exciting future ahead. Thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts on the exciting stuff happening in the industry. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you very much. Sarah Hollinshead here with the Global Digital Banker and just closing up what's been a fantastic day at the Women in Payments UK Symposium. And to discuss some of the key takeouts, I'm chatting with the brains behind this entire operation, Christy Duncan. Thanks so much for chatting with me, Christy. Delighted to be here. Thanks so much, Sarah, for inviting me. We've just closed up the day here in London and so much insightful discussion has has happened. What have been some of the key takeouts for you that have really excited you about the future of the payments industry? Well, I think we're at a really big crossroads now. It's it's like the new age is coming and in London as well as around the world, um, the market is evolving. It's being disrupted. It is um, new infrastructure is being developed and it's a really exciting time to be in this market right now. In the UK in particular, we've got new payments architecture on the drawing board, which is involving all stakeholders from across the industry. And we also have, uh, you know, SWIFT with its GPI. We've got new players coming in to offer new solutions like Ripple, like all these other interesting new challengers in terms of challenger banks, but also other fintechs. And on layer on top of that, all of the open banking and the PSD2 that's bringing new concepts and new constructs to the industry. It's a really exciting time to be in this industry. Absolutely. And, and you've raised a few very UK specific um, initiatives that are really going to transform this industry. And it's such an exciting place to be. But you do spend a lot of your time jet setting around the globe and running these brilliant conferences in, in a number of other markets. I know you've launched um, in Asia this year as well, which is really fantastic. So what are some of those key variances that you're seeing across those different markets that you're active in? You're right. Every market is different and they all have their nuances and they're all at different stages of evolution of the market. Australia is an interesting market because they have just launched their NPP, the new payments platform, yeah. in the last year or so. They're now fine-tuning it. Singapore and the ASEAN market are 
different in another way in that clearly they've got the technology innovation happening as well. But from just a, a plain infrastructure perspective, it is a, a much more fragmented market with you know, 10 countries of you know, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations all coming together to uh, one kind of region, if you will. And mm. in that respect, they are challenged because they have different currencies, different regulatory regimes, different markets that are trying to add value in different ways. In North America, we haven't embarked on the open banking journey yet. It's kind of happening in pockets here and there, but um, not being driven by a regulatory mandate as it is in the UK and the EU. Mm, Absolutely. And I think technology even more so. I mean, last week we saw the launch of the Apple card, which is just such a strong symbol of the power that these technology companies have and the innovation that's that's really disrupting how traditional players have have previously um, been able to dominate the market. Yeah, and I love that that whole evolution of the the fintechs and then the the tech fins. Yeah. Apple and and Amazon and, and Google as technology companies that are now starting to get into financial services. That's kind of the difference of between tech fin and fintech. And the tech fins really bring a whole new lens to this market to add value in new ways. Absolutely. And I think, you know, those tech fins have the scalability factor, which is something that the fintech community has always struggled with. Indeed. yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how that, uh, how that all develops. And just to close off, we've had uh, some amazing conversations about just also being a female leader and being a woman in payments and what that takes to be successful. And we've heard from some really, really great, inspiring women. And I know you run a lot of great programs globally to really, really support this. So what would be some, some tools and advice that you'd give to a female starting out today? What have been some of the key takeouts for that perspective? Marion King talked about two different kinds of roles that we typically have in our careers. One being a foundational role where you learn a lot, you stay there for a while and learn a lot about the industry and how things work and how we can add value. And the other was a springboard role, which is not somewhere that you necessarily want to spend a long time, but it's like a stepping stone to the next opportunity or next chapter of your career. And I think those are really insightful uh, words of wisdom from Marion, and I would definitely subscribe to them. And in that regard, I would encourage everybody, no matter where we are in our careers, to build, maintain, and help others to build their networks because it's surprisingly true. And I wouldn't have believed this 20 years ago in my career, but now I firmly believe that it, in many ways, in many instances, it's not what you know, it's who you know and how effective you can be in getting things done in, in your career and, and outside. Absolutely. And that is the importance of the events like these is really to build those networks and, and meet those people that can ultimately add value to, to your career. And it's been such a great day. Thank you so much for, for all you do for this industry and for taking the time to chat with me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Sarah. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To view the show notes and for more content on the podcast, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. For updates on upcoming episodes, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at RFI Group 
or if you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you thought of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.